Welcome to Real Life Mentoring, where we explore real life issues to help you make an authentic difference in the world. Hi, it's Chris and Christina, and we are here today with our friends Todd and Jeannie. And I'm not even going to do one ounce of introduction. I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourself. So I'm going to, you know what, let me back up. Let me tell Today we're going to be talking about past trauma and how past trauma informs how you go through your life as a married person, as a family person, as a work person, how past trauma affects. Is there anything she want to add? Just that we just met you guys. Todd and I met. We just met you yesterday. No, we we met you a few. (laughs) We were going for a walk (laughs) in your neighborhood. Who are you? Be on our podcast. (laughs) I met you a few years ago just in passing, not in passing, but through a friend, but we had a short conversation. And it was through, um, we reconnected through some of the stuff you were going through. Yeah. I think I'd ask you about it. Yeah. And so then we had dinner together as, as two couples. And I mean, so now you said in this um, office of ours, you're on a podcast about your trauma. Yeah. So uh, I relate to some of what you're going to share today. Yeah, we're excited for you to hear their story. This is just free. This has nothing to do with anything. But he had met you. And we just knew you as the coffee guy. Yeah. And when we were still in Vienna, we he had gone to a coffee festival. And he said, I'm going to get this poster and bring it back to Todd the coffee guy. And so, like, you were court, sort of oh, written wow. into our story so before crazy. we'd even met you guys. But so unfortunately, it I never I don't know what happened to it. We moved back with a few things, and it, I could never find it. Oh, so yeah. if I do I, find I'm it, still it on I know. <laughs> I know. It was a small one. Yeah. I'm but, sure it was lovely. It's yeah, a it was. Accounts, Todd. <laughs> so, rude. <laughs> no, but I looked on my text with you recently, uh-huh. and we hadn't texted that often because we didn't know one another, but I was at this coffee festival in 2017 or 18, and I sent you a photo of the yeah. poster. I remember that. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so it's, still, it's still I would have loved it. It's, it would have been nice to get it. So anyway, take it away. Okay. So you guys introduce yourselves. Okay. Well, we are yeah. we are Todd and Jeannie Vinson. Mm-hmm. We've been married almost thirty years in October of this year, and um, we have four daughters and a son-in-law. Um, just in in a huge range. We have, you know, obviously, our oldest is married. Our second oldest is in college, finishing up. Um, she's in her senior year. Then we have one that is in YWAM. and she is overseas right now with her outreach. And then we have a freshman in high school. So. Currently just moved to Norman, um, so there's that's part of our story, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's kind of us in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot to unpack well, um, and, in there. And how, we, how we got to Norman. Yeah. So um, you're now with Antioch and Norman, mm-hmm. and you want to kind of share the journey, how we got here, then I can hop introduce myself. I mean, yeah, so about a year ago, the Lord just began pursuing my heart about mm. moving to Norman. I grew up here. My whole family's here. Mm-hmm. And we were really happy where we were. God had really restored a lot in us and done a lot of healing in the place that we were living. And we loved it. And But God was like, I have something more for you. And I just want you to be obedient and surrender all your expectations, all the things that you, your plans. Mm. And I'm calling you to something different. And it was painful. And there mm. was a lot of our story was kind of happening simultaneously to that, you know, Todd's, what he's going to share was going on at the same time. So there was a lot going on, Mm -hmm. but God was so faithful, so good. Um, and just continue to open doors and just gently 
push us this direction. It was kind of a long process, but we um, moved here last summer and it has been evident ever since that it's like exactly where we're supposed mm-hmm. to be. Like just so I could tell stories all day about mm-hmm. how God has opened doors and how he has orchestrated things long before we needed them to be um, in place. And mm-hmm. here we are. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the end of the story. Um, we're, telling we'll, it, we're telling it backwards. We might be telling it backwards, so, but might be a, <laughs> fine. Might be yeah. a good way to uh, film a movie. We'll just tell the whole thing backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, knowing, I guess the obedience part, I wish it had been a little earlier or a little mm. quicker for me. I mean, mm-hmm. timing-wise, we were right here when we were supposed to be. And mm-hmm. um, But Edmund, for us, uh, was really a, a time of healing. Mm-hmm. You know, part of my story was that uh, we founded a boys' ranch and operated it and, and lived there for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, got to the point that I just um, was just burnt out mm. uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so um, found ourselves in transition and didn't transition well, but mm-hmm. found ourselves uh, uh, doing something different. And part of that was transitioning from uh, Willow Springs Boys Ranch to um, moving to Edmond. And then in the meantime, there really as a hobby, I'd started Yote Coffee out of my garage. Okay. And it went from a hobby to something that I've been doing full time. For the listener who doesn't know, we're talking about Edmond, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and right. Mount yes. Norman, Oklahoma, yeah. and EOTE is E-O-T-E. Yeah, and it's which, an acronym. Right, that stands for? Into the Earth. Right. From, inspired by Acts 1-8. Yeah. Go look it up, order it, buy it, yeah. tell people about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been okay. a great way to connect with people. Mm. In another way, another platform to to pour into people, which is another mantra that I've come to come to appreciate through our journey. Well, I think your journey has lots of stopping points mm-hmm. and lots of different podcast <laughs> episodes, but Probably. we want you to tell your story and jump in wherever you want and okay. just yeah, just go. Yeah. You go start yourself. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Um, well, I guess um, I've had a huge heart for for kids since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to college, got involved in Young Life, Canacuck, FCA, all those things. Wanted to do something relationally that way with, with family and students. Doors kept opening up and opportunities came about that we were able to, to found a boys ranch with the help of Jeannie's family and initially her great uncle and then other family members. And really it was providing a home for, for boys that didn't have one. They were in a crisis. Mm. Not really, some were at their own doing, but a lot of them was because of just uh, a family crisis. Mm. And um, so we, I was really excited about the opportunity and invited Jeannie to go out there and look at the property with me. And um, basically I said, that's great, but I'm not gonna, I'm not moving, we're gonna live in Norman. Okay. <laughs> How far away is this place you live? Uh, from Norman, about an hour. Okay. Okay. Right. But it just, might as well have been the moon, for yeah. as far as yeah. it felt to me. You know, but you know, we're up between Oklahoma City and Tulsa in, in green country, rolling hills, and just really, Really pretty, but way outside our comfort zone. Okay. Especially outside of Jeannie's comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd lived overseas and traveled some, and I said, oh, man, I'm between Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And like Jeannie said, I might as well put her on the moon. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of cultural changes um, uh, away from your, your security mm-hmm. and uh, what's comfortable. And so um, lived there for 20 years. And I think for me, I, I, I came in one day and... Knew that I was stressed. Knew that, you know, obviously that, you know, working with broken families is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that, I, um, you know, me being a, a people person and a, and, a, and a connector, I just started putting all those people and all those stories and all those burdens in my backpack mm-hmm. and uh, carried them 
mm-hmm. uh, until I couldn't anymore. I, I came home um, one day and um, was coming in the house that morning and found myself on the floor mm. and thought I was dying of a heart attack. And um, wow. you physically had symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, okay. and I was physically in the floor. <laughs> I was wow. physically knotted up in, in the fetal position. And the first thing, only thing I saw was my daughter's. Literally, it's not a metaphor. I grabbed her Hello Kitty blanket, mm. and I was in the floor, and I thought I was dying. Wow. And got to the hospital and realized that I wasn't dying, okay. but it was stress and anxiety. Wow. And that was the moment. My, I, I affectionately call it my, head, my Hello Kitty blanket moment. I realized mm. that I mean, things have got to change. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't love this way anymore. Uh, so was it, a, was it you hit the wall? Yeah. Or Jeannie, yeah. did I you mean, see? Yeah, I mean, I... I think looking back, I mean, when it happened, I was like, oh, gosh, this is happening. Mm -hmm. But I think looking back, it had been going on for a while. Like, I could see kind of this slow decline. Like, he was losing weight. He was not eating. He wasn't sleeping. You know, just Mm -hmm. there was was things. But, you know, I just was like, oh, we're we're just busy. And we have a busy life. And there's a lot going on. And and that's just part of it. And it's hard. You know, we'd kind of just accepted that that was Mm -hmm. just part of our story. And and you had all four girls plus all four girls navigating the were going home. and there were a lot of balls in there. Our daughter was graduating from high school, mm-hmm. so we were in the middle of senior year activities mm-hmm. and um you know, we had actually at that point realized I think earlier on that it was time for us to start making a change and moving towards mm-hmm. leaving the ranch. We didn't know how we were going to do that or what mm-hmm. that was going to look like, but we had already had that conversation, so we knew we were kind of moving that direction. Still, a lot of balls in the air trying to decide when that was going to happen, how that was going to happen, where we were going to move, graduating our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, just lots of things were in in the works. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that's, I think we got to, a, you know, we were spring of my daughter's senior year. And that's when he hit a wall. And mm-hmm. that's I, when you collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, someone who's become a good friend of mine, Jeremy Kubitschek, had, um, seen me kid come to our, our roastery warehouse in Oklahoma City and said, Hey I wanna fuck I'm supposed to start spending time with you and mm. uh, part of his his company is giant worldwide. It's it's leadership and, and personal development. And one of the things he shared with me was um, you know the seventy thirty principle uh, that his um, his partner Steve Cockrum uh, came up with this principle and it's that you should be spending seventy percent of your time uh, doing things that are life giving, that are mm. your second nature, uh, that you that your gifts, your talents, that you do really well. And mm-hmm. if you spend seventy percent of your time doing those things, you'll have the capacity to do the thirty percent that just comes with the job that mm. aren't your gifts. That it, it's learned behavior. It's not something that comes natural. It takes mm-hmm. a lot more energy to mm-hmm. execute it because you have to give a lot of effort and and, and focus to do those things. Mm-hmm. And as Jeremy explained that to me, I was going, wow, I'm not 70, 30. I'm about mm-hmm. 20, 80. Wow. Do you think it started that way with the boys' ranch? No, I think um, as I had some self-awareness and started to learn about myself, you know, mm-hmm. being someone who is a connector and a creative and a pioneer, but not your typical pioneer. I'm a pioneer out of a, a driving relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start something, you, you have to learn about all of it. Right. And do it all. But what I realized was visiting with, uh, with with Jeremy and some really good insights was that once it got to the point that it was going to be operational, mm-hmm. that's where I should have, looking back, I should have put other people in place to okay. do the ops mm-hmm. and me not be the operator, but be the one that shares the vision, shares the story, 
gets out in front of that and the public and community. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Jeremy shared with me is Todd, you're you're literally running a hospital here, mm-hmm. um, emotionally, spiritually for people. Mm-hmm. And the rooms are full, the hallways are full. There's a waiting list to get in. And what God wants you to do is operate a clinic mm-hmm. where they. I mean, and, and to use that metaphor mm-hmm. is that they 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 come in and and they go out. In fact. They go in and go out during the day. In fact, maybe within 30 minutes. Mm. But I kept putting all these people in, in my in my emotional backpack mm-hmm. that the pack got so heavy that finally it just like pancaked and, mm-hmm. and, and just collapsed. Yeah, so I would you, just... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, as I was saying. I was just saying, that I think that's the place where we realized we had found our identity in like what we were doing mm. and how we were, you know... Oh, we were helping all these people and we were making, raising all this money. And, you know, we were, that's where our identity was lying. Sure. And we, but we weren't really doing what God had really called us to. Mm-hmm. We would almost kind of like walked away or moved away from that original call to mm-hmm. like, this is what I have for you. I think we thought we would live and die out there, mm-hmm. but God just called us to we start. Almost did. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. almost did. Yeah. But God called us to start it. And uh-huh. he never said, you're going to finish this thing out. Mm. It's just, so I think we had kind of got to a place where we were, um, we weren't living out the calling that God had for us. He was like, I have asked you to start this and just walk with me along mm-hmm. the journey. And you have somehow kind of gone your own way and done your own thing. And you've mm-hmm. taken on things that I was never asked you to, to carry. And so I think that's kind of was what we realized is that we've, we're not living out our giftings that God mm-hmm. has given us. We were, we were trying to do so many things out of our own strength mm-hmm. in that season. So. Yeah. And I think being a firstborn and in my own family story, I just had this uber resp- sense of responsibility and I keep talking about Jerry and be said, Todd, you know, You'll be surprised. People don't want you to be responsible for them. <laughs> uh, it never was your responsibility. It's it's theirs. Um, and at different ages, you know, people, kids have a different level of responsibility for themselves. But ultimately, uh, God is responsible for them. Mm. And he said that in 2016. Mm-hmm. But uh, just in the last uh, month or so, he had recorded a couple of those conversations we had. We did a half-day intensive together. And he recorded two pieces of that conversation. And he said, hey, I just found these. Wow. I want to send them to you. Jeannie was out of town. So I basically just had a, you know, a, a weekend at home, almost like a, you know, a, a personal retreat. And mm-hmm. I went through with my journal and started listening to those. And the conversation then was transitioning from the boys' ranch into EOTA full-time. Mm-hmm. But now I'm sitting here seven, almost seven years uh, in the future, listening mm-hmm. to this again, and it was just so hard even for me to even hear the sound of my own voice. Just wow. the the exhaustion, the the pain, the fatigue, the brokenness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found myself in another transition from, you know, operating the ranch to operating Eote, and I was repeating that same pattern. Mm-hmm. And we're in an operations mode, not a startup, and and a founding role. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, this transition is, even though transition is just messy and awkward, but this one is so much better than the boys' ranch. Um, we wanted to leave the ranch well. Wait a minute. She, your wife is making a face. Uh-oh. What do you, what do you... I, I don't think, I, I think it was just as hard. I just think it was different. I mean, Maybe I think, more compressed. I, than... I think, well, I think that there, and, you know, I'll, I don't know if you want to share this part of the story, but I feel like... Um, we kind of 
just touched the surface the first time yeah, of, the, the, of the trauma okay. that had to be dealt with. And I think the second round this past year has gotten to the root of okay. the trauma. Well, let's talk about the root because we yeah. say the trauma. Can yeah. you put a, a definition on the trauma? Yeah, and clarify. The trauma yeah. was yeah. not the boys' ranch, right? No. I thought it was. Mm. Okay. I, I thought it was It was the situation there. And, and I think that's why we thought, oh, we took care of that. Mm-hmm. But then the second round creeped up and we were like, oh, we're not at the ranch anymore. Mm-hmm. This can't be yeah. what caused all of this in the first place. So, so let's we had clarify, to we you're had to, at the ranch, yeah. burnout, 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 mm-hmm. you crash. Yeah. You deal with the crash, you move on, you think, okay, now we're with EOT. Now, you a year late. Mm-hmm. I mean, a year. It was like six, five years later. Yeah, five. Whatever. Five years later, yeah. a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what changed? What did you have to recognize? What What's the part of the story that, or how do you define the trauma of of both stories? Mm-hmm. That yeah. I think one, I looked up and I was so. I mean, emotionally frail for mm-hmm. lack of better. I mean, it's pretty pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be my new normal. Mm. And and I've got a, a strong wife that really believed in me more than I even believed in myself. That you know what we're going to get through this. This isn't the new normal. Mm-hmm. And so part of me, I had to physically re- remove. We ha- I had to be physically removed from the ranch. And mm-hmm. you know, six years in Edmond was just a time of healing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it was an identity issue. I think I'm just exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really felt like the ranch was where we grew our family. Edmond was a place to 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 heal me and in mm-hmm. turn uh, heal our family. But really, we were. We had just taken the, the root off the weed. Mm-hmm. And the, the top off the weed. Yeah. Not take, the root. We didn't take the root off We hadn't touched the roots yet. Yeah. Okay. We're still <laughs> we'll talk way about the root down. In a yeah. We pulled the tops off the weeds. Okay. Uh, but never gotten down to, to those root issues. And I mm-hmm. think you even had a, a picture at church. Yeah, so the, this was probably this time last year. Um, yeah. And... We were. I was seeing all the same patterns start back up, mm-hmm. and can you break down some yeah. of those patterns? I mean, I just started. You know, he wasn't sleeping again. Yeah. He was losing weight. Dry couldn't eat. Just feel nerve endings all over your face and up and down your arms like you were being electrocuted. Mm. Um, just, um, just one ball of nerves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just seeing some of the same patterns of like. I, I saw him putting people's emotions back in his backpack again. Okay. We didn't have the language for that, I think, sure. at the time. But, you know, that's what was happening is he was taking on everyone's feelings, mm-hmm. everyone at work, everyone within his family, mm-hmm. everyone that, you know, he encountered. If they had a issue or mm-hmm. they were having a bad day, he was having a bad day. Gotcha. And it, he just would take it on and take it on. And um, so, you know, it was about a year ago and all of those same patterns just started repeating and we were making plans to move to Norman. We mm-hmm. were, we had already like kind of moved in that direction and uh, our daughter was graduating. Our next daughter was graduating again. So okay, I just no like, more children can graduate. I know. I was <laughs> like, stop this. Yeah. Um, so graduation shouldn't be traumatic, yeah. but it was a mile marker. So sure. it felt, you know, again, a lot of balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how are we here again? I thought we dealt with all of this. Mm. And so we were in church one morning and that during worship, and it was the most clear picture I've ever gotten. Um, the Lord just kind of downloaded it to me. And it was basically a picture of Todd mm-hmm. um, just standing there. But, you know, like at the doctor's office where they like have a body and it like shows you all of the insides, you know, like the veins and the organs and all of that. That's mm-hmm. what it, I saw. 
And I saw just this root just wrapping itself around mm. every part of him, his heart, his lungs, his mm. brain, every, and just choking out. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was those mm. were, it was this seed that had been planted deep a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it was bitterness, fear, and anger. And, and, and ang- which turned into anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what I saw. And then I saw on the outside kind of this watering can of things Todd was doing to like, okay, well, I'm going to water this with good things. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. I'm going to surround myself with all these great men or, you know, do Mm -hmm. all these things, just all the things that we had walked through. And I think we'll talk about that in a minute, Mm -hmm. just the things that we did do. And it was just pouring in, but like it had nowhere to go. It just, Mm -hmm. it was the weed Mm -hmm. that, that seed that had been planted had just overtaken. Mm -hmm. And so all the things that he was, the good things he was trying to do just wasn't killing it. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like the Lord was saying, that has to be completely ripped out. Mm -hmm. So I think that was our, the beginning of our journey of like, we've got to figure out what that deep root is. What is that Mm -hmm. seed Mm -hmm. that was planted a long time ago? And I think, you know, we realized there was some, a lot of family trauma, um, a lot of family baggage that led to that, that. Todd's original family. Yes. Okay. Um, that 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 kind of planted that seed mm-hmm. and you know it had taken 55 years to really grow and just overtake him mm-hmm. so i think that's where we had to that's where the the digging mm-hmm. and the the root pulling had to start um from yeah. so mm-hmm. and todd was that a surprise to you did you cruise through life going wow, things are fine, or was that seed, did you know that seed even existed? No, I was just the, the good boy at church that, you know, you just worked hard and you always did the right things, mm-hmm. you know, through college and even starting this nonprofit as a, what, 26-year-old kid, uh, you just bootstrapped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God called you to it, and he was going to give you the provision and the opportunity, but there was also your part as well, mm-hmm. and so, um, and I think where that came from was just that an early age, um, found myself, um, in a position as a, as a 15 year old moving back to the States and, and living in a home with my grandmother. And she was, she had been diagnosed with, you know, probably the fourth episode of cancer at that point. And wow. so really what happened, I got deputized as a parent, mm. uh, and wasn't really even aware, um, mm how much that affected me until later. Mm-hmm. And if you just said, oh, that was a traumatic experience, I'm going. You mean you were responsible to take care of your grandmother? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. just to be the guy there in the house and you know, okay. we both looked after each other and you know, it was pre-Twitter and pre... Yeah. Uh, where, where were your parents? Uh, in the Middle East, okay. in, the, in the oil industry. And mm-hmm. so there wasn't a, a Zoom call or a FaceTime call. And mm-hmm. so um, just... You know, being a firstborn and also going through that, I just mm-hmm. always had a a huge sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, which so if I I didn't make a four point, yeah, I got an ulcer for making a three eight. Wow, so, you did. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I, I could do ninety eight percent really well, mm-hmm. but I would fixate. On, on the on the two percent that I'd either let myself down or I'd let you down or let my church down or my perception of someone mm-hmm. may not even been the been the reality but my perception was oh I've, I've disappointed you and mm-hmm. so on the outside it looked great I mean mm-hmm. you're really driven you can start a boys ranch and a camp you 
now started a roastery and a, mm. and a coffee shop and you know it, the hard work was championed mm-hmm. but it was an addiction and an identity that was purely uh conditional I was going to say, in the Christian culture, we'd say, oh, don't live to please people. Oh, yeah. But boy, when we do, we're patted on the back and yeah. rewarded for it. Yes. But when the plane's going down, they tell you to get the oxygen mask and put it on you first and mm. then start helping everyone around you. And really, mine was just the opposite. I mean, I rode that plane mm. straight into the ground. And mm-hmm. so you would think, I've got a master's in counseling from, <laughs> from OU. You would think that I would have been aware of those things. but. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't aware until I was, oh, I bet I was five to seven years into a, a tailspin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone could see me losing weight. I, mm-hmm. I dropped down to, gosh, what, 188 pounds. Mm. I'm way north of that now. <laughs> um, mm. uh, but, I mean, I'd wake up, heart racing, dry heaving, just all these psychosomatic symptoms. That mm-hmm. You would think that would be, the, I would see those lights on the dashboard going right. something wrong but there were all the lights were flashing and I was a complete wreck um, before I realized oh this isn't something's off <laughs> this isn't um, a criticism but I want to ask Jeannie though all that's going on with you because I've seen some of it in my own life mm-hmm. was he present for you and the girls I mean I think it was because he has this sense of responsibility and taking on it was just one more he was just putting me in his backpack it was just one more thing for him to think about. And I tried to, you know, take away as much as I could, but I was, I mean, we were in graduation mode and Mm -hmm. moving. And I mean, I was like, you have to be present. You, you don't want to have your kids have trauma later that my, my dad wasn't around when I was graduating from high school, you know? So there was that piece that I would kind of like cheer him on in the morning. I'd be like, you can do this. We have this and this and this, and I need you to like put on a happy face and you know, mm-hmm. go because I mean, I know you're dying inside, but like there, so I feel like in a way I was kind of like <laughs> jumping on his back a little mm-hmm. bit too. But even but, on closing day for our house, I don't even remember. I barely remember going in and signing my name and all the paperwork. I was just still just mm-hmm. totally fried. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was happening inside, like mentally, emotionally? So you obviously the physical things are going mm-hmm. on, but what's going on inside your head? And with your emotions. I mean, that nobody yeah. else could know unless you told them. Yeah, I was just numb. In fact, mm. if emotions were a color, everything was just black and white. Wow. I mean, I was just, I was just numb. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. How did the anxiety express itself? Like, obviously in your body, but um, the alarm goes off and what happens to you? I think the trigger was just, I would go straight to catastrophic thinking. Wow. Um, okay. I mean, Can you give an example? Uh, well, right before we moved here, um, we were still living in Edmond, and I wake up in the middle of the night. I hate the story. I'll tell you a really bad story. Mm. Um, mm. And I wake up to hearing Jeannie say, Todd, come here, something's wrong. And I look up, and the light is on in the, in the bathroom, in the powder bath. Up, we had a split-level house, and it was upstairs in the powder bath towards the living room. And I, I, I walk in there, and she's on the floor. Who is? Genius. Genius. And, and doubled over. And I'm just still trying to get awake. I, mean, I don't know how long she's even calling me. But as soon as I get in there, I mean, she is clammy, sweaty. Uh, she just goes unconscious. And there is no color in her body. And she's just limp. Oh, my I mean, Lord. tongue falls out of her mouth. I mean, I in she all was... fairness, that was a <laughs> traumatic experience. Yeah. Talk about trauma. I, I thought, 
I thought she had just died, and I've got two. I'm yelling. You thought she had died? I thought she had died, and my two of our girls at home, Avery, our our third, who was about to graduate from high school, and my eighth grader, are standing in the hallway, and I'm yelling frantically for them to call 911. Mm. And I, I... I had to pick her up and just back her down the stairs and, and put her on the bed. And thankfully, the ambulance was there in about, literally in about 90, 90 seconds. Wow. Um, but so I've kind of had this history over in, in life to go straight to catastrophic. And then you always plan for catastrophic. You always plan mm. for things to go wrong. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, which is great as a Boy Scout to be prepared and always mm-hmm. have the things you need on a family trip. But mm-hmm. then you take it clear to the extreme where I just thought my uh, wife had died. The good news was she's not, she didn't die. I mean, she's mm-hmm. right, she's right <laughs> here, but she had a cyst that ruptured in it and she passed out from the pain. Wow. But in the, in the moment she didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so and this is in the middle of your, in the middle oh, of my, right in the middle right of smack dab in the middle. And I think we had maybe even made some strides. We were like, okay, we're, we're having some better days and mm-hmm. it just tailspinned. Mm-hmm. Um, out of control from mm-hmm. there on. And kind of hopping forward, one of the, I end up spending um, some extended time in, in some intensive group and one-on-one stuff. And what mm-hmm. I realized was that you know we don't live linearly mm-hmm. as far as uh, events in life. If you yeah. plotted those on a map, it's more up and down. And all those things just layer on top of each mm-hmm. other. And so from... Things that happened as a kid. I can remember us going on a family trip, and I hopped on the train in Vienna mm-hmm. and was grabbing the stuff, the luggage for my family to get on, and I mm-hmm. hop on the train, and the train leaves. Without them? Without them. <gasps> How and old were you? Teenager. Wow. Probably about Murphy's age. And wow. you know that all trains don't stop at all stations. Right. And there was no cell phone. I didn't have my passport. I didn't have any cash. But wow. you start, I mean, all of us, when we think about it, we, we've got things that have you know, created a trauma, but you know, mm-hmm. I would I was grading trauma like mm-hmm. someone that might know that had gone to been in Iraq or Afghanistan and mm-hmm. seen terrible things in a war. But it's like, no, you don't grade trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma is something that had a severe impact on you mm-hmm. and it may impact me one way, it may impact someone else in my family totally different. Mm-hmm. But that that experience is real. And so mm-hmm. I always minimize those things and we just continue to shove them down. Mm-hmm. And just keep working harder, and never share those things with anybody. Just would you? I'm sorry. Would you clarify? You said I went to a group thing. Would you yeah. explain what that is so people understand? Um, I think we're telling the whole story backwards here. No, no, um, okay. It got to the point. Well, I guess let me back up a little bit. In, in 2016, I mean, some of the um, things that I had done. Well, I'd, I'd done a host of things. They were going to talk about those later. Mm-hmm. So. I, I was doing all of those things and I was still stuck mm-hmm. and I was really diligent on those things, but I was still stuck. I couldn't figure out why and mm-hmm. had some family say, Hey, we would, we, we know of this place. It was a PCS it's psychological counseling, um, in, in Scottsdale and had some, a, a family friend that had, had gone there and it was just tremendous help. It was a eight day program you know, outpatient, when I mean, you'd stay in a hotel and you'd go to a, a conference area, half, you know, about 80%, 70% of it was individual and about 30% was, was, was group time. But it was from 7.30 in the morning until 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. Mm. And so you did about 70 hours of work uh, in, in a week, which if you went once a week somewhere, that's about a, a year and a half. Mm. So they, they call it intensive for a reason. I feel like I was in like, 
like psych ops or special forces, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah. special training because mm-hmm. I, I mean, there were so many things that they covered mm-hmm. that I just realized I just had never really dealt with those. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that may have been a traumatic event. I didn't think about how it affected me. Mm-hmm. My focus was always just, just on other people. So mm-hmm. I shoved it down and shoved it down and shoved it down. And it wasn't until I kind of just started plotting out things in my life and, oh, this, oh, you know, that should be traumatic when you mm. think your wife's uh, just died in your arms. That's, mm. It's like, but you, inside, you, I don't know, you just rationalize it. Oh, man, she just had a, you know, had had a medical issue and, and she's fine. Mm-hmm. But as I went back and pinpointed four or five things, and when you stack those on top of each other, you're going, wow, I subconsciously carried that for years and mm-hmm. I hit it and, and good work and good behavior. Did you try to hide it or was it just something you learned to do to move forward? <sighs> I would say I hit it. I think he hit it, but then it would come out just, you know, pure, you know, it would be at our daughters from, or something, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. that he'd go, well, you can't go there because that's dangerous and you could get this and this. And I was like, wow, that escalated really quickly for her to go to the movies. You know, she <laughs> yeah. was dead in a ditch by the end of the night. And it would right. like, it would creep in at yeah, times, I'd but I think, I, but yeah. I think you, you knew, okay, that's that. I shouldn't talk like that. I yeah. should, I think mm-hmm. so. He kept pushing it down, even though he was feeling that he may mm-hmm. not have expected it. I could trust God for you and these other boys, and these other families, but when mm-hmm. he came to me and my own family, I was like, oh, it's it's all up to me. Wow. And so, the, you, all the pressure, you're gonna lose them. Was that it? Or just hyper responsible, just, just being, you know, being a responsible dad and being the protector and, and the provider uh, for my wife and, and my four girls, but it just came out in such an unhealthy matter and it manner and it really was from a, a position of, of fear mm-hmm. and also fear what if I'm not enough mm-hmm. to meet that need or take care of that person or deal with that situation or cover the finances and in, in, in a nonprofit I my name is on the on the documents for the mm-hmm. 501c3 mm-hmm. and so um, I think it all just as you got older and you got more responsible and the, the consequences and the stakes got bigger just the weight of that, it's a it's a really graphic analogy, but it's like the it's like the twin towers. Once they started falling, I mean, mm-hmm. they just pancaked and they fell hard and mm-hmm. and fast. Everyone's around me looking and going, "Oh my gosh, what just happened?" But mm-hmm. reality was, it had been going on for about about twenty years, and the pressure just kept building. So to paint an accurate picture, you're trying to lead your family in, mm-hmm. in a godly direction. You're in ministry. You're an active church member. Um, did you voice what was inside? Did you all go to other people? Did you have accountability? Did you have a mentor going, yeah. hey, this is what I'm experiencing? Or were you keeping that all to yourself? I kept it all to myself until I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the line, I mean, the marker, if you were to graph this out, my my. My Hello Kitty blanket moment was mm-hmm. the point that, okay, I can't hide this anymore. Mm-hmm. I got nothing else to lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no fear at this point because I'm I'm a 46-year-old man in the floor in a Hello Kitty blanket. <laughs> so <laughs> it's no man card punch there. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, my whole family and my circle, hey, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And now you are the center of attention and we're going to get you back to healthy, which just added more pressure to me because the last thing I wanted to do is have all the attention and focus on mm-hmm. me, but it's a thing that I needed probably mm-hmm. the very yeah. most. Mm-hmm. I would say too, just even for your listeners, if they're going through anything like this, like I think 
when we got to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we had tried to band-aid it or go, oh, you know, just go pray a little more or Jeez. let's go to church or just, oh, let's go on a vacation. You know, mm-hmm. we tried to band-aid it because we didn't realize how bad it was because yeah. he wasn't, you know, I mean. Highly functioning. Highly yeah. functioning. Over-functioning. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Highly uh, over-functioning. But mm-hmm. when we got to that point, I think it became very clear that this is not just a quick fix. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This was something, and I think the more, the deeper we got, we realized basically there's three things that we had to address. Mm-hmm. And it was physical, emotional, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And if you think you can just do one of those and get out of this, mm-hmm. you would be wrong. Yeah. Because, I mean, go to the doctor. Yeah. 100%. Uh, uh, that's the first call we made. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like, we need to get in and make sure that there isn't something else going on. Mm-hmm. We did all the tests. We, you know, blood work. We you take medicine. We got him on a medica- medication that was helping. But that wasn't our only fix. Like, we had to go deal with the emotional piece. Yeah. And so he met with a counselor. He surrounded himself with so many godly men. They came out of the woodwork. It was mm. humbling mm. to it was watch. It was really humbling to see these guys that knew me really well that were coming in from all over the country. Mm. And then family, family as well mm-hmm. that yeah. just um, um, advocated for me, I guess, is the, is the, mm. is the best word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the spiritual piece. I mean, like, that was, I think almost the the piece that was the essential part that was like the mm-hmm. the the thing that kind of put put us over the top um and that was you know i mean you had so many sessions of people praying with you and for you and yeah. going you know going to prayer ministry and going to healing ministries and i mean i remember being at our lake house in the summer and cousins surrounding him and yeah. praying mm-hmm. over him because they were Gosh. so in the fight for him. Like yeah. they were not going to let him go down. Mm-hmm. So, but it wasn't until that breaking point that mm-hmm. we realized all three of those things have to be yeah. included in the, yeah. the healing process. And really dying to yourself and really had to die to myself twice. I did that in 2016 mm-hmm. and there was about five, almost six, almost six years of, of just, like a burn victim and just putting the salve on the wounds. Mm-hmm. And then once that happened, they said, okay, now we're going to get down to the root. Mm-hmm. I thought I was almost done with that and mm-hmm. feeling pretty proud until you're not. Yeah. <laughs> and you find out, oh, wow, no, there's there's more work to be done. I think that's a great place to pause. Okay. So um, we talked about the beginning. We want to do part one and part two mm-hmm. with Todd and Jeannie. What are some things that you want to point out before we... We close this episode and go to the second part. Well, it sounds like you had a really strong support system. Yeah. Guys, I don't think that's the norm for a lot of people. Yeah. It's really not. not. So you'd be so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ask for help or did... It didn't sound like you asked for help. It sounded like you collapsed yeah. and you had a, a, a support group that came after you. They. It was... It was ever bit of an inter- intervention. Okay. Yeah. But I, was, I wasn't kicking and screaming because there was... No fight left to me. I, I had literally left it all out on the field. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I want to just address that really quickly. I just was thinking about marriage and like fighting, and I think that was like the when you asked us to do this, and I this immediately came to mind. I was like, there's kind of three stages of fighting in marriage. Like mm-hmm. early years, you're just fighting with each other. Yeah. Like you just fight <laughs> about the dumbest the thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, or fighting against each other, I guess mm-hmm. is the word. And then, you know, you have kids, you are, you know, starting to pursue, pursue your dreams. And so you fight together. You're fighting for your kids. You're mm-hmm. fighting for your dreams, the fighting for the things that you want and want mm-hmm. to pursue. Mm-hmm. 
But then there comes a place where you have to fight for a spouse. And mm. that's where I think we got to. Like, yeah. I think I was like, mm-hmm. and I think that's where he couldn't fight. And I was like, I have to fight for him. And mm-hmm. so that's where then I think I was probably asking more than he was. I was like, mom and dad, mm-hmm. friends. I mean, I was calling people ac- from across the country and saying, can you come? Yeah, really? He needs somebody mm-hmm. to come. And they were on a, the next flight. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of where I... I took up the fight for him because he couldn't fight anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, that is such a a sweet picture of, like, how the Lord kind <laughs> of works out mm-hmm. our, you know, uh, immaturity, I think, in fighting and how mm-hmm. it, that's kind of where, where we got to is that I had to fight for him because mm-hmm. I realized it was he wasn't going to be able to fight for himself. Mm-hmm. Can you guys see where people get divorced, though? They give up oh, because oh, it's yeah. too painful or too sure. difficult. There was every opportunity for us, either one of us, to throw in the towel in that mm-hmm. process. Yeah, it was yeah. not pretty. It was it was not fun, but it was such a picture of who God is in our life and how mm-hmm. He does fight for us. And it's not up to us. It was never up to us or mm-hmm. or my ability. Mm-hmm. And so that was the huge shift in mindset and identity that I think we're going to talk about in yeah. the next podcast. That it was just it took me to get to that point to the end of myself. And allow myself for someone else to fight for me, mm-hmm. uh, and for for my highest good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, were you guys both in leadership positions in different at different times during this? Um, I mean, I was still just kind of mom, mommy. Don't it. say just mom. It's <laughs> just mommy. <laughs> it. But you had been administ- you had t- yeah. you had been in an administrative role uh, with the OTA before uh, we partnered with some some family, and, and they invested in us and took over all the. All the all the back office things. So mm-hmm. even at the ranch, she was the administrator. She kept me from being overdrawn and mm-hmm. kept kept us all street legal mm-hmm. on all the things. The um, reason I ask that is because on the outside, everything looks like it's okay. Not that you were wearing mask, but you're when you people see you as leaders, yeah. either in the home or in business or yeah. in church or whatever. Um, people can assume these guys are good to go. Yeah, and you guys come from a, uh, at least Jeannie, from your side of the family, you guys come from a solid family heritage. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's easy to say, oh, they're part of that family. They're good to go. Mm-hmm. They have no problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we love your stories. Cause if somebody on the outside looking in, they could have easily judged like, oh, well, but everything's all good. And then yeah. boy, it's just such a big lesson in asking the questions, getting involved in people's lives to, to look underneath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to pause here and then we're going to uh, get to, we'll have a part two, but um, go back and listen. If you've listened to this and you've stuck with us this long, thank you. Go back and listen to some key things um, that stuck out to you. Um, I love that you all talked about the holistic approach. It wasn't just a physical mm-hmm. or emotional, here, take a pill. Um, I've said it numerous times. I take a pill for anxiety and it makes everything good. But I have to do the spiritual work and I have to do emotional work. And that's what we love is this holistic approach. I think that's what Jesus modeled and showed us. That's what we love about your story. So thank you for sharing all this. We really appreciate and encourage you. We could command you to listen (laughs) to part two because you won't want to miss the rest of the story. Yeah, that's not the end of the story, yeah. thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. So thank you guys for listening today. And uh, 
yeah, stay tuned for the, the next, the next part. We want to thank you as always for listening. If today was helpful, if something that you listened to was helpful, we would really love it if you would go to Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, download, subscribe, and for all things related to podcast, if you'd like to give a financial contribution to help us continuing bringing this sort of broadcasting to you, just go to FahrenheitMentoring.org. Hi, this is Chris Corral, producer of the Fahrenheit Real Life Mentoring Podcast. This podcast is produced through a partnership with the Confetti Corral Boutique and Michelle Corral Realtor. To find out more about these businesses who support our vision and ministry, go to confetticorral.com or find them on Facebook.